Jesus. Mm. Glory to his precious holy name. Thank you, Father. God, we're so grateful and thankful that we serve a living God. <laughs> a true and living God and a God that we can come to, make our declarations to, and he hears our prayers and he answers our prayers, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And, and, and we don't have to wonder or speculate. We just trust in him and trust in his word and trust in his name and then sit back and wait on to reap the benefits until our eyes see what we know in our hearts, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And during, during this time where the enemy wants to counterfeit the love walk, and so he counterfeits it by uh, inputting fear and anxiety and worry in us that is not part of the plan of the Lord. And it keeps us from focusing on the season, the season that Jesus was born and he was born to die. Hallelujah. And that's the glory of his birth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So God, we want to come against false evidence. Hallelujah, Jesus false evidence that appear real. We want to come against the physical things that are attacking the body that causes and induces more fear in the name of Jesus. And so you tell us to take a stand against those things and 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 operate in the in the wisdom of God. So Father, we come this afternoon to take a stand against the wiles of the devil. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we declare for ourselves, our family, and for any member or congregant that is missing as a result of a sickness, disease, or fear, uh, we come to declare that by the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that they are receiving a new blood transfusion. Hallelujah. That the blood of Jesus will purify their blood, Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch every organ, uh, every tendon, every, all intestines, every artery, every internal thing that's going on, every heart hormone, Father, that you would touch it with your virtue and cause it to be healed and to operate according to what you originally created, Father, in the first place, Jesus. We thank you that you've given us wisdom to know what to eat, what to drink, when to eat, when to drink, that we learn how to eat and drink to, to live and not to live to eat and drink, Father. We thank you, Father, for a transition in our hearts where that we we crave for that that is right, that the Spirit put into us to lead and guide us so that we don't go in the wrong way, so that we don't partake of the wrong things that creates diseases and fears and downtrodden and death father we come against premature death where the enemy is on assignment father to destroy your people we come against that father in the name of jesus we thank you that you've given us ears to hear eyes to see and a heart to receive what the spirit of the lord is saying right now in this season this new season of life of life and we receive it father in the name of jesus now father i thank you for continuing to show me the things i need to see so when i speak master it will be only those things you want me to say in jesus name i pray amen, amen. and praise the lord hallelujah jesus 
Thank you, Jesus. I, I was d looking up something, but, and I'm going to tell you what I was looking up for because it's part of a message I'm preparing <laughs> for the new year. But I found something else in the process, and so I just wanted to share it. It says, the year of the Bible. And, and it says, the year of the Bible, 1983, was declared on October the 4th, 1982, by a joint resolution of both the Senate and House of Representatives in the second session of the 97th Congress of the United States of America held at the city of Washington. And this is the... Uh, the declaration that was put forth. It says public law 97 through 280. Whereas the Bible, the word of God, has made a unique contribution in shaping the United States as a distinctive and blessed nation and people. Whereas deeply held religious convictions springing from the Holy Scriptures led to the early settlement of our nation. Whereas biblical teachings inspired concepts of civil government that are contained in our Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States. Whereas many of our great national leaders, among them President Washington, Jackson, Lincoln, and Wilson, paid tribute to the surpassing influence of the Bible in our country's development, as in the words of President Jackson, that the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Whereas the history of our nation clearly illustrates the value of voluntarily applying the teachings of the scripture in the lives of individuals, families, and society. Whereas this nation now faces great challenges that will test this nation as it has never been tested before. And whereas that renewing our knowledge of and faith in God through holy scriptures can strengthen us as a nation and a people now, therefore, be it resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress Assembly that the president is authorized and requested to designate 1983 as a national year of the Bible in recognition of both the formative influence the Bible has been for our nation and our national need to study and apply the teachings of the Holy Scripture. Thomas P. O'Neill, Speaker of the House, Strong Thurmond, President of the Senate, and approved October the 4th, 1982, by Ronald Reagan, which is, was, things were being reinforced, what God had established originally. And, and whereas we need to remember what this country was founded on, the principles is founded on, and the ordinances that was founded on through uh, the commandments of God. Whereas, all praise the Lord. You know, I, of course, I, I knew that, but it's, it's so, it is so good to be able to uh, find document that support, you know, things that you have read a long time ago or, or, or you know, heard or, or whatever. And, and even my understanding by reading the Bible, because Romans is a very good chapter book to let you understand who we are and where we stand as the body of Christ within the United States of America and with and with the government. Amen.
Okay, so we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and um, this is part 2 of, of the message. You know, last, last week we covered verses 1 through 12, and so now we're going to go from 13 to the completion of it. And, of course, the title of this message is Put on the Whole Armor of God. And so, the, you know, the first 12 it was, uh, was provoking us to, uh, to do what is right, to follow the instructions that Paul was given to the body of Christ, being children of God. And so it really continues on in 13. So I'm going to read, read the verses, and then we'll come back and chop them up, okay? And so he, uh, we remember in verse 12, he tells them about how that your battle is not flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle. And what you're wrestling against are four principalities that are going on. And I'm going to just read those principalities again uh, as a reminder because uh, those principalities are operating in, 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 our, in our country. And so he says, we, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in, uh, in high places. And so we know that uh, the principalities are spiritual rulers. Okay. Uh, the, and the powers is the authority and like Satan strategizes because he uses territorial authority to put forth what he wants to go forth at the time. Amen. Amen. But we have a spiritual being that's higher than that that will also let you know how you need to be praying based on the territory and based on the spiritual forces that you see or hear about that are operating right now in the air. Okay, and then when it talks about rulers, it says that there's, it's, a, it's a world ruler of the darkness of this world. And that's the ruler that we're talking about because we know we only have one ruler. Amen. And so he wants us to know about the world rulers, uh, which is, represents darkness of this world because it represents the God of this world, which is Satan. And then the spiritual wickedness in high places, which are those spiritual beings, which are the fallen angels that, that followed Lucifer. Amen? Amen. So remembering that, then we go to verse 13. Wherefore, in other words, based on what I just shared with you, wherefore, mm, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth. It is just so much in this that as, as I'm reading it, I'm coming up with stuff I haven't even written down. So, it, it, oh, glory, hallelujah. It's, it says, when you have done all to stand, stand therefore. That means when you have put the word on it, you have prayed and cried out, you stand on that. Amen. You don't change because you can't see what you're standing for have come into place. You keep standing. He says, standing therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer 
and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am the ambassador in bonds, <laughs> that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know my affairs and how I do. Titius, a beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father of, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ and sincerity. Amen. And you are known for loving him because you have faith in him. Not because you voiced it with your lips. Okay, now let's, let's go back to, to the beginning. That, that wherefore means because of what I just shared and the previous verses and more especially in verse 12 that gave you the four principalities because of that put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against those principalities that are going to be always attacking you as a believer Amen. Now, our Christian witness is determined by our warfare, and that is spiritual warfare. Talk is cheap, and action speaks louder than words. However, without the Lord's wardrobe, we cannot stand against the enemy. Even even if and when we allow the enemy to use us against other believers, because you know when you when 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 you acting ugly, you think you're okay. All right, because at the end you will lose, and you will lose even more when you're acting ugly because you allow the enemy to to dictate to your heart as to what you should be doing or saying, opposed to letting the spirit of the living God dictate to you as to what you need to say, stand, or do. Amen? And so you have to have on the whole armor of God to stand against the wilds because the enemy is not going to announce to you beforehand, I'm going to attack you tomorrow. So you walk around with that armor on. You don't put it on at the time that you think you're going to be in a battle, okay? You have it on at all times. You need to always be ready. So the good thing is that the Lord came up with a suited armor that would actually cover our whole body, okay? Now, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna to try to break this thing down. Because he says, um, now, the evil day is when the, the, the uh, uh, Antichrist spirit, the Jezebel spirit, the spirit of Lucifer and all that is acting up in the universe. Well, you, we're always going to be in an evil day because the world is evil. That's why we have another kingdom that we have to be separated from through the kingdom of God. So we just reside here. 
we live in a higher kingdom. It's a, it's, it's a difference. You know, it's kind of like um, um, renting opposed to owning. Okay? So we, we don't take up the, the habits. We come in and bring in. When you own it, you come up with your own way of doing things because you're not under subjection of a landlord and especially one who don't even know who he is or who she is. And any time that you're being led by the world, you don't know who you are. You don't know who God created you to be because you're following the world system. Amen? So let's just visualize this, this, this armor because he says put on the whole armor of God. So just visualize a person. And, and, and so the very first thing to put on is a belt. And then that belt is the whole up stuff. Okay? Now, but in the Roman uh, war, the soldiers wore the belt to hold their weapons. Their weapons in there, okay? And, and so th you, you got on, on this belt. And then right up in here, you have on a breastplate that's like an armor plated that's covering you. But it only covers the front. So that when the weapons uh, shoot towards you, it can't penetrate you. Oh, glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. And, 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 and then you have on shoes that is going to protect you. Uh, you. You know, your feet are covered with the kind of shoes that gives you the ability to grip and stand and hold on and not be knocked down. Okay? All right, and, and then you, you have, have a shield in one hand, and that shield is to war off the weapons that are shooting towards you, okay? And then in the other hand, you have uh, the sword of, of the spirit that cuts <laughs> and push back. And, 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 and then you have on the helmet of salvation, and, 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 and that helmet is covering your head. It's protecting, it's protecting your head. If it protects your head, it protects your whole body because the head is where you're thinking thoughts. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. So when you visualize that all of you are covered, there's only one place that's open, but I'll talk about that a little bit later, okay? But every part is covered. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to go down now and let's talk about each one of these uh, garments. <laughs> First, the belt of truth. And uh, the first truth that you got to come to know is you are not your own. You were bought with a price, and that price is with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So you are not your own any longer. You belong to a Lord, a king, a king's, uh, the, our savior, okay? So when we understand that, then it should give you more courage to do what you need to do, okay? So, because without truth, nothing can be validated. Lies don't validate nothing good, and they don't last. They get exposed eventually, but the truth goes from generation to generation. It's never ending, and it validates who you say you are. So that, that belt of truth is then it is girding you up to keep you uplifted and stabled. Lies don't uphold you. 
It can't keep you going. The truth will. Amen. So this is why you need that on first. Because without truth, everything else just falls apart. Okay. Then you have the breastplate of righteousness. It too upholds you. See, you've been uplifted with the belt, but the, tr- but the breastplate of righteousness is going to uphold you. Why? Because that righteousness is your good character and your moral conduct. And when we operate in good character and moral conduct, it says that, the, well, I'm saying this, God will uphold you and he will reward you. Now, let's go over to Psalms 37 uh, just to prove my point. Uh, we're going to read verses 23 and 24. It says, the steps of a good man, and another word for good is righteous, okay, The steps of, I'm going to just say, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Okay. That's because you're living by the truth. They've been established. That's what that word means. They've been established by the Lord. Okay. And he delighted in his way. He delights in the way of a righteous man. All glory. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholded him with his hand. Remember, that is a garment of weaponry. Righteousness overpowers and overstand all wickedness and oppression. Okay, let's go over to Psalms 92. We don't have to fret and worry over evildoers. <laughs> Because their time has is, is already been marked for an end. And you don't want to be caught up in that end. Okay, Psalms 92. I don't want to start at 7. When the wicked springs as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. Do y'all hear that? But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thy enemies, O Lord, for lo, thy enemies shall perish. Anyone that comes against God's people, God's covenant, is an enemy to the Lord. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Those who operate according to the course of this world, because we were born in sin. And without coming to Jesus, you are a person of iniquity who flows in sin and you can't even help yourself because you belong to Satan. Now, we need to make this clear. If you don't belong to Jesus Christ, I don't care how sweet and nice moral you are. You belong to the God of this world. You belong to the enemy and you are a born sinner. And then we need to look at it and call it for what it really is so we can stop being deceived by outward appearances and, and, and by jacked up conversations Amen. that is appealing to your own nature while you're sitting there listening to it. Uh, well, let me do seven again. When the wicked spring as the grass and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thy enemies, O Lord, for lo, thy enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shall thou exalt 
like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. With fresh oil. He anoints us with fresh oil to do whatever the, the, the warfare is coming up at that time. He don't have you fighting a new war with the same old stuff. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy and then anoints your head with oil so that you can overcome. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. It says, my eyes also shall see my desire on my enemies and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. He says, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, planted in the house of the Lord. Not in your living room. Glory. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord. Why? This is why. To show that the Lord is upright. He is our rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now, remember, David is writing this, who's been subject to some stuff as well as been guilty of some sins. That's why he was a man after God's own heart, because he recognized the error of his ways. He took them, confessed them, and turned from them. You don't hear where he repeats the same dumb thing over again. And he knows who to go to. And when he goes, God gives him such a revelation about who he is in his life. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we don't have to fret. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let your character go before you. You don't oscillate with what's, what you hear on the news. You don't oscillate by what you see other people are doing. What has your Lord said to you as you have prayed and read his word? Stand on that. And let your character be known and go before you. The other piece of garment, which is the third one, is that you, your feet is shod with the preparation of the gospel. Now, in the time of trouble or need, the word you have been putting in you prior to that will surface up and give you peace in the time of trouble. Amen. When you've been putting the word in you all along, when you get in a time of trouble, it just, the right word automatically surfaces up for your need at that time. And it will give you peace. And it also will give you freedom from anxiety as it is advanced towards, or better yet, against our powerful oppressors. That means when you begin to speak that word to come against your oppressors, it advances. Oh, glory. It's a two-edged sword. So it's cutting away. Amen? And that's what it's for. It's cutting against the evil. It's separating evil from you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We, 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 we serve a great and mighty smart God. Amen. Hallelujah. So he's, he's, he has made a way of escape for us, for everything. The enemy cannot stand against the word, against love, the love of God, or against the blood, all which represents the cross. The enemy cannot stand against the word of God, the love, 
or the blood of Jesus, which all represents the cross. You, you know, when I was writing this, I, 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 I thought about as we, we're hearing certain things about the protesters and, and our human nature. This is human nature, which is not a good thing will tell us how we're supposed to protest and, and lewd and, 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 and tear down and do warfare and fight and all of this because uh, we, we, it's our rights and we deserve and we've been, we've been uh, 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 sinned against. Well, they don't even know nothing about sin. We, we've been attacked and they've come against us because we're black and you know and all of this kind of stuff you know the human nature says to fight fight back but when you let the nature of this world lead you and guide you it has you acting stupid Amen. where you don't accomplish anything good yeah. and you and you're not able to get over we don't have to use those tactics when it says Jesus has already overcome the world that so we use the tactics that he gives us and what he used to overcome the world. This is what Martin Luther King did, who have done more for the who did more for the cause than anybody else when we go back into our history. But he did it God's way. He didn't use violence. He stood against it. He with, with love and the word. He didn't stand against it as these is our rights and you all have come against it and you should. No, 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 no. He, he stood with the word and with love. And anyone that was with him that didn't follow his rules and wanted to do violence, he, he told him, you cannot be a part of, 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 of this march. You cannot be a part of this group. Amen. 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 He knew how to really fight the battle, just like Rosa Parks. She accomplished more than, than with, with one act of righteousness and love by taking a stand. Because when you do that the right way, God comes up and upholds you, and he's greater than any other army that can come against you. Amen. And so they were able to accomplish far more than, than these protesters who now don't accomplish anything. Actually, what they do, they create more destruction and more division. And everybody, you know, our human nature make you want to feel good like, oh, yeah, let them do this. Yeah, we deserve it. Oh, yeah, we're entitled. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the broken nature. That is not the nature of our living God. And we need to recognize and, 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 and teach it and preach it and not go along and not support it. When we see that stuff happen, oh, yeah, look at them. Look at them doing what? Destroying our own neighborhoods? Looting from stores that causing them to close up and move out? Everything that we're, we're doing to try to get even, how are we getting even when they just keep on flourishing and we got to start all over anew? And that's what Martin Luther King was marching against. He wanted us to be able to, to overcome and be victorious and that we come together as one people. But he knew the only way that he could do that is to do it by the way God tells him to do it. And that is with righteousness and love. Now, we're still talking about 
touch the shoes, which is the gospel of peace, okay? The Roman soldiers wore shoes that allowed them to stand firm and, and strong against the enemy. And, you know, they have these shoes that come up and they tie and all that. So you have to worry about the shoe falling off, okay? And they could get a good firm grip because there wasn't no heel, no stack heel, no high heel, no other kind of heel. It was just flat where you can stand firm and, 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 and hold on and, and stand against the enemy when he comes against you. That's the gospel you got to stand on. Amen. 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 New balance is good, but you got to stand on the gospel. <laughs> now, the, 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 uh, the another piece, is, which is the fourth piece of um, garment, is the shield of faith. And the shield of faith means taking God at his word and trusting him. Believing in his promises, which protect us from the doubt induced by Satan. See, doubt is induced by Satan. Excuse me. Even when, if God has been prophesying and saying some things to the church about our times, then when we look at the the media and stuff and you start getting doubt, that's because you didn't trust God's word from the beginning. His word is not going to change because the news media is saying whatever they're saying. I don't care what's going on and what they announce and what has happened. God's word is the final word, and he's not done. And so uh, we're we're to believe uh, without wavering or fainting because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, let's go over to uh, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that God is Lord and Savior, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, you have to diligently seek God, especially when uh, the times are so trying and they seem to be coming against you hard and they seem to be flourishing in the natural. But what we have to remember, facts are subject to change. But truth stays the same. Amen. 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 So we have to stay connected to the one who will reward us for staying faithful and trusting in his word, no matter what it looks like. Amen. Now, the faith means to trust firm. That's what it means, to firmly trust, okay? It is also um, uh, a firm persuasion. Then nobody can remove, move you off of what you're standing on. Facts and evidence may be pointing in the, op- in the direction of the opposition, but your faith will keep you standing on what God said. You will see the manifestation of his word if you don't give up. Amen. We will see the manifestation of his word if we don't get up, Amen. get off of it. Let me tell you, I really believe that what produces and make God fulfill what he said is because there's some people who believe it at all costs. 
They're not moved by what's going around them and what they're hearing. They're believing what God has to say. Now, I'm not talking about believing some notion you've come up with. Amen. I'm talking about believing God's word. It's a difference. Amen? Because God has to perform his word. If he said it, then he's going to do it. So to have faith means to relinquish trust in yourself. But you put it in another. Now, outside of God, the another is one who is speaking on behalf of God. You know what they're speaking is godly, not just in somebody else that you feel impressed by because of external appearances. It's got to be because they're standing on God's word. The fifth piece of garment is the helmet of salvation. Now, we've got to remember, Paul was giving this message to the church of believers, not unbelievers. Okay? So since they were saved, he was actually telling them, have on your hope of salvation. When you put on your helmet of salvation, you have your hope of salvation on, okay? Which is a certainty or a blessed assurance of your salvation. You, you, you see, when we can see salvation more than you just going to heaven, Amen. that's when your hope comes up. Amen. Salvation is what he's going to do for us on this side of heaven. Amen? Amen. And you have your hope in Christ. And so um, what we have to, re- have, to, have, to, have to remember that faith is the substance. Substance. That means the realization that you can't see. Of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Without hope. There's no faith of things hoped for, and it's the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. When God gives you a vision, it seems very real, right? And, and so when he gives you a, a vision that you can actually see, you're like, oh, I know this is God, and you just hold on to it. You don't let it go. That's the realization of what you're hoping for. And it soon become an evidence where you are so convicted by what you feel and believe and you see with the eye of your heart. You become so convicted by that he has to manifest it. So it's of the things that seem so without hope, there's no faith. And, and, with, and when there's no hope, there's, you, how can you have any faith if you don't have no hope? It begins somewhere. Uh, when... When, when our house uh, caught on fire and, and, and at, at a tr- very trying time that we didn't even know how we were going to pay the rent, at least long, some insurance to cover anything that may happen to the house. So, therefore, I had to believe God for whatever uh, fixing up and changing and bringing the house uh, back to how it was. I had to trust and believe God. And so I had a vision and in this vision, he showed me my kitchen, which is where the fire began. And he showed me my kitchen, and, 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 and the vision he showed me in that, ki- in that kitchen was so real 
that you know how you you fall asleep and I believe God put you to sleep to give you the vision because it was just for very short maybe five minutes or so and, and but I woke up out of it saying I was in the basement on on the couch and and I because the the basement wasn't damaged it was the, the main floor and I woke up out of that vision thing oh let me go up here and get my dinner started because I saw my kitchen the way God showed me and then it dawned on me Oh, you ain't got no kitchen. <laughs> but God showed me what it was going to be like. And see, whatever God fixes is better than the way it was before. Because when he got through with it, and it didn't cost us one dime, because we didn't even have, but it didn't cost us one cent. When he got through fixing it, it was better than it was originally. All new appliances, whole thing restored, the floor, the ceiling, everything. Uh, that comes from trusting God. So, God, you made that so real. I know it's going to come to pass. And when he sent the people out, the construction people, the city granted us the money to do it. And when he sent the construction people out that worked with the city, that was part of the vision. He told me there's going to be two white men who are going to be responsible for the restoration. I didn't know how that was going to work. But let me tell you how the enemy works. The enemy works by, by uh, saying, well, I'll go to Sears and see, can you get some credit to get some cabinets and all of this kind of stuff? And the guy says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. That didn't come from me. I'm telling you how he walked me through those times. But I listened to him when he will bring the change in the correction. Cause see, we will, we will make anything work if yeah. we get it in our mind. Yeah. We will come up with all kinds of things to support, well, this is what I should be doing. Yeah. No, you better check with God first. Yeah. Because when you don't check with God, the consequences from not following his way are far greater than you can even imagine. And so when I would come up with things in my head and he would bring me the correction, I listened to that correction and dis dismissed that other stuff that I was thinking and then and so God sent out these two white men and happened to be the owner of the construction company and the supervisor who was supervising my my job came out and when they came out they they didn't just say well we're gonna do this we're gonna do that they says so what color do you want this what kind do you want that I'm like what <laughs> so of course I picked out everything I saw in that vision because it was in color. It wasn't in black and white. It was in color. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, let's go to the next piece of, of equipment, which is number six, right? It's the, the last piece. <laughs> the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Greek term for word is logos which refers to the whole word of God. But here in this meaning, it means rhema, which refers to the selected verses of the scripture as needed. It's what God, give, like what he gave me the word, it's the word that he gave me, which was a rhema word, which means this is the manifest word I'm gonna do in your life right now. 
Okay, because remember I said when you put the word in you at a time of need, he'll cause that particular word to surface up that you need at that particular time. Amen. Amen. And so the, the rhema word is what he gives to you to let you know. This is why I have issues with any of the prophets who got a word from the Lord, but because the news says something different, they want to say, well, forgive me if I, I may have been wrong. Well, did, did you get it from God? I don't care. I'm going to hang on to it until I see it manifest. And it may, may be some years down the line. But I know God is not a man who shall lie. Right. Now, if you got it from somewhere else, then you do need to apologize. Did y'all recognize there were six garments? Six represents man and evil. And like the Lord told me once in the early stages of my new birth, Use Satan's weapons against him. He gives us six powerful weapons to work against the wiles of the devil. Which means come in the offense. Don't just always be ready to defend, but go in the offense. Okay, let's go back to Psalms 37. And I think I'm going to start with verse... um, 13 and he says well well, I I think I better go with 12 the wicked plotted against the just just righteous good all that means the same okay and gnash upon him with his teeth the Lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming the wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, that's the righteous, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. He fills my mouth with good things. That's his word. That's the good conversation. (laughs) Listen what it says in 15. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Did y'all hear that? Glory. That's, that's what happens when you put on God's weaponry and fight your battle. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it around and work it for your good. When you stand on his word and in his righteousness. Amen. And, and, and so when that happens, then we, we're going back to Ephesians 6. It means just what I'm about to read in verse 18. (coughs) Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. In other words, you are praying always with, with various prayers and you are petitioning or requesting from God based on his word. Okay, so you're standing at attention with the word, making a request to the Lord Jesus because you're petitioning a higher kingdom. This is what Matthew 6, the, the Lord's Prayer, is about telling us how to reach the kingdom of God with our prayer. Yeah. Amen. 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 And so... Um, you, you can't do it just at the battle time. It should be Amen. ritual. Amen. Daily ritual. That's what it means when he says, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication, which making request in the spirit. You see, because, you know, when the Lord prayer says, give us this day our daily bread, and, and people want to challenge, well, he, he said he's going to take you while you got to ask. I mean, there's other places all through the Bible when, when Jesus is teaching us to pray, he's always teaching us to ask. But yet he says, I've already promised and, and have the confidence of knowing that I'm going to give. But you've got to request that thing in the air. You've got to request it in the air because you're letting all them ain'ts know who your Savior is and who takes care of you. It's not that God don't know what you need. But he needs to know, do you know who the one is going to supply your needs? And then the, the, the forces in the air needs to know who you believe is your Lord who would take care of your needs. So you put it out in the universe and you thank him for it and you ask for it and you thank him for it. You don't just take stuff for granted. The granted I take is that when I make my request, he hears me. And therefore, I should have what I say. Go over to First uh, John 5, and we're going to begin with verse 13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. In, in other words, I'm only writing to those who are saved and know who their Savior is. His name is Jesus the Christ. Okay? That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, what is his will? His Amen. Amen. He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. That's the confidence that we should have. And praying all the time, praying his word and presenting these petitions to him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, go back over to Ephesians 6, because when he says, and supplicating in the spirit, he's not talking about praying in tongues. There's nothing wrong with praying in tongues, and I'm not coming against that, but we just need to understand the scripture. It means seeking God how to pray, what to pray, and Lord, pray through me. Amen. That's what it means. Amen. Amen. And also, it, it, at the end of that verse, it says, for all saints, we need to be interceding. We need to be praying for more than our own personal needs. Pray for other people. Yes. Let me tell you, when you Pray in the spirit by seeking God and asking God about how to pray and what you need to pray. He will put other people in situations in your spirit that you know you need to pray about. He's not going to put nothing in your spirit when you're not seeking him. And you, don't, and you don't have a heart for intercession. You don't have a heart for intercession. You don't even know what intercession means. But if you have a heart for intercession, he's always putting people's situations and things in your spirit to pray for. Yes. Plus, when you seek him and ask him, how should I pray? What should I pray? Who should I be praying for? He puts that in your spirit as well. Amen. 
so that those things can be covered. Who do you think is going to be praying for them if the body of Christ is not praying? Amen. That's, that is our issue. We're not going any further than just our household, and some of us don't even pray for that. Just yourself. It's, all, it's always about, uh, uh, about you and, and how you're being treated and how you're being talked to. And get a life. Pray for something else. So then maybe God will be able to reveal to you, you don't have a, a, a leg to stand on. Just stop saying that. <laughs> I got you covered. And, and plus, I'm allowing some of this to happen to wake you up. Oh, okay, now verse 19, Paul is telling them, I think I'm going to read this out of my um, Jewish Bible, where Paul is telling them to, to pray for him. I, I went to my Jewish Bible. I'm thinking they're going to have a whole bunch of commentary here about the weapons, and they didn't. But this part makes it very plain. He says, and pray for me too, that whenever I open my mouth, the words will be given to me to be, to be bold in making known the secret of the good news. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes promises and benefits to us when we hearken to his word. Okay. For which I am an ambassador in chains. It's like he's in prison, not only in a literal prison, but he's in a spiritual prison because any time that God gives you such great revelation in the mysteries of his word, the, those in, the, the, the unclean spirits, the, the spirit world, the wicked spirit world is always going to be trying to attack you, to destroy you, Amen. and to discourage you. Amen. This is why you need to pray for uh, men and women of God who are bold enough to take a stand for what's right and speak the truth because you don't have a clue about what they come up against Amen. by being that bold. Yeah. You think it's easy because they get up and say it. They're under the anointing and it just flows because of their passion and their love for the Lord. But you don't know the struggles that happen Amen. at home or away from you. You don't have a clue about what goes on. No, no. And so that's why you need to be praying uh, uh, for uh, the men and women who are taking a strong stand and speaking the truth of God. He says, pray that I may speak boldly the way I should now so that you may also be informed about how I am and what I'm doing. It's like I'm not doing anything undercover. Because my life is all about just speaking the truth and telling you about what thus says the Lord. I have no other motives. I'm not trying to plan to buy a castle and a boat and a, and a plane and a luxury cars and, and, and taking luxury trips and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. My, my, my motives is to get the truth out. This is what Paul is saying. And this is what all uh, um, pastors should be, should be saying. And my, my motive is not how I can get a great big building and we draw thousands of people in. What good is it going to do a thousand of people to come into the, into, into the building if I can't even impress 2030 to live for God, the remnant, to just live for God? It's harder to try to convince. But you're not convincing them to live for God. What they're convincing you to say the things that cause their ears to itch so that you can keep the crowd. Well, you're going to have to answer for all them thousand people that came up under the influence of your voice. We will have to answer. What did you say? What did you do to lead my sheep? Where did you lead them to? He says, 
Titius, the dear brother and a faithful worker for the Lord, will tell you everything. That is the very reason I have sent him to you, because I can trust him. <laughs> so that you may know how we are getting alone, and so that he may comfort and encourage you. He's going to keep you abreast of all that I'm doing, but he's also going to keep you comfort and encouraged with the word that I'm sending to you, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, shalom to the brothers, peace to the brothers. He didn't say to the world, because without Jesus, you, you can't have peace. So it's, it's peace to the brothers. May God the Father and the Lord Yeshua, or the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, give you love and trust. Grace be to all who love our Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, with undying love. That's how you have to love him. Not with the love of but what, what can he do for you. That I'm going to read my commentary on, on Titius. It says that he appears, it's funny how some of the most powerful people in the Bible is just a little bit said about them. You know, like Anna and uh, what was the other person? Uh, Simeon, now Titius. It says, appears on five occasions in the New Testament and in each he serves as a messenger for or representative of Paul. He was taking Paul's uh, gospel messages, which was the epistles to the churches. He is first mentioned as a delegate from his church in Asia Minor. He is bearing its offering accompanied by Paul and others to the empowerment, to, to I mean, impoverished to the impoverished Jews of Jerusalem. Titius may have been one to the Lord or at least made contact with Paul during the apostles' three years mission in Ephesus. At the end of that journey, third journey of Paul, Titius traveled with him to Jerusalem. He, he remained with Paul after his imprisonment. He remained with Paul after his imprisonment. Now that's speaking a whole lot because if you're not flourishing and doing well, as a pastor, the preacher don't want to, the people don't want to stay with you. They find all kinds of fault. Because Paul is captured for his belief, not for something he's done wrong. So Titus stays with him and he keeps the ministry going. He keeps the ministry going in the same way it was going when Paul was not in prison. You hear what I'm saying? Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. When Paul wrote his epistle, to the Ephesian and Colossians, Titius carried them back to his native Asia Minor. More importantly, Paul sent Titius first to relieve Titus and overseeing the churches of Crete, and later to replace Timothy at Ephesus in order that the latter might minister to Paul during his second Roman imprisonment. That, see, those are servants of God who's working to serve, not to impress. Amen. And that Paul could trust to keep the gospel going. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. I'm going to do the, 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 the benediction before we open up for questions and answers and, and uh, the prayer of salvation. First of all, I need to do the prayer of salvation.
I pray that anyone at the sound of my voice have heard enough to bring conviction into your spirit to want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And for those who have confessed Jesus as your Savior, but you know you have not been walking upright in him, then I pray that you have been given a conviction unto righteousness and change. So I ask you to just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that he rose again after three days to redeem me from the curse of sin and hell. I accept his gift of salvation and I ask you now to accept me as your child and then to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation and for the gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name.